Bienvenue, Willkommen, and of course, Benvenuto for our Italian friends. Once again, to our what's known as a Diffusion Occasionale, an occasional Chelsea Football Club podcast, The Podding Shed. We're just ordinary everyday fans who from time to time like to take some refreshment down to the shed, pull up the faded stalls, and try to bring you, the listener, an avant-goût de l'expérience, bon et mal, good and bad. The highs of ecstasy and heartbreaking low points of being a Chelsea fan. This season continues relentlessly to bring us so much more of the happier side. Long may this continue. This is episode 84, and while I'm in a French mood, that weird thing that the French do, they actually translate that to Catra Van Catra. Yeah, not for them, just a couple of syllables. For them, they actually have a word. They don't have a word for 80. They have... They have the literal capture van, four of twenty. Um, anyway, well, it's just been over. A... Considering they're always asleep and do the minimal effort on everything else. Yes, you'd think so, Alex, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's, just, it's just a quirk of the language that I love. You know, um, it's been just over a month since our last meeting of mine, and since then we seem to have continued our smooth. Um, and slightly surprising for me, march towards yet another Premier League title. Uh, the episode is, of course, yet untitled, but of course our dear leader, dear leader Nick will cast his expert eye and ear across the recording. He'll undoubtedly pluck something sensational, sexy, surprising, or maybe even sad from the verbal swordplay of the next hour or so with which to brand this episode. So without any waffle, let's move on to the football. But first, let me introduce the cast. I am Tony Glover, also known by my Twitter hand, Twitter, Twittle? Twitter handle, grocer, at GrocerJackUK. Um, and let's start off by bringing in Kweku. Good evening, Kweku. Good evening, sir. How are you? How are we all? All good? All it's good? No, it's, actually, it's really nice, because Kweku has a bit of a reputation for doing this from bus stops and park benches. <laughs> it's one of the dirtiest venues in the world, and now he's sat in an office all alone, just him and the cleaner and a bush. Okay. It's, it's, worth, um, pointing out, also... it's worth pointing out, Tony, that uh, as ever, we have our thumbnail on the zeitgeist, or whatever it is you do. And Quicker um, is actually broadcasting to us from Oxford in the week when, sadly, Colin Dexter, creator of Morse, uh, passed away. Indeed. See, we, yeah. we think about well, the these link. details. We think about these details. Yeah. It matters. We do. We like, we like to be on the spot, Johnnies, I think, and I think that's yes, a, a good point. Um, and on that note, of course, the voice you've just heard, dear listener, um, all, all, two, all two or three of you, um, uh, is the voice of our very own Bon Viveur, our very own Carol Vorderman stroke Rachel Riley Cross. It's Donal, a.k.a. at Dr. Blue Bio. Good evening, Donal. Good evening. Uh, my, maths, my maths is not up to being Carol Vorderman, I have to say. Um, I was thinking more of the weekend outfits, personally, but um, hey-ho, whatever. And moving on. And... And in a monumental week, when conventions have been broken, we finally see one of the last bastions of fuddy-duddy, male-only institutions fall and embrace diversity. No, I'm not talking about bloody Muirfield. I'm talking about the podding shed as we embrace femininity. And here, not as a guest of a member, <laughs> not as a guest of a member, but as a fully-fledged shedder, I'd like to introduce a person. Um, who's become an instant smut buddy to me from our risque, sweary, ranty appearances on the Chelsea fancast. Um, we do seem to have been deliberately separated on that these days, like a pair <laughs> of naughty twins. 
Um, but let me introduce a girl who likes balls, as in that's the name of her blog, Girl Who Likes Balls. Please check it out. It's wonderful. Um, so welcome to the lovely Alexandra Churchill. Um, it's not her experience. Hi, Alex. Hey, um, food in the house. Sorry, I just thought we'd have a little First World War interlude there for... Excellent. I love it. As long as it's not fucking Tipperary. No, no, I would <laughs> I love it. Um, Alex, for, for, for you, dear listener, it's not her first appearance as she appeared once before um, alongside um, Andrew Holmes, um, who I've met at football a few times. Uh, when we discussed um, the rather brilliant tomb called Overland and Sea, which is a book about Chelsea footballers during World War One, but it is actually so, so much more than that. There is, there's so much more to dig around in there. And, uh, uh, and I've actually just downloaded her novel. Um, and I'm willing to give that a go when I go to France in a few weeks. So uh, um, welcome aboard, Alex. It's really lovely to hear. Have you got any other um, books or anything you want to plug while I've got you on board? Oh, well, the Somme book's out, which does the Battle of the Somme through the eyes of one poor chap who died every day. And we're currently at our homes and I, along with Johnny Dyer, have just finished Passchendaele, which is a commemoration um, so it was 103 days long, that battle. So we've chosen 103 stories from across the battle in which to sort of set a narrative for people to learn about it for the centenary. So that'll be out Fantastic. in pay. OK. Oh, well, well, we'll get you on way back before then or around that time <laughs> so you can give us more details about, you know, how to get it and where to get it. And um, maybe, maybe uh, you know, give us a few minutes actually talking through one or two um, little bits of it. I think that would be oh, great. I mean, Johnny once... should just read an entry out, seeing as he's got such a showbiz <laughs> No, no, listen, Johnny's okay, but you can't beat the real thing. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but he has um, to do an impression of General Mel as he's doing it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> a few yeah, of those on Monday night, I think, but more <laughs> when we was talking about football. Uh, right, so let's move. Is that you? Is that Bertie? He's 30, yeah, sorry, he's, he's a bit he's a bit manic because everybody's crying in the house and everything's a bit right. crazy yeah. because of Doggate, so yeah, he's a little bit panicked, and but he's okay, he's shut up now, won't you? Yes. you uh, if for the, again, for the benefit of you, dear listener, um, uh, Bertie is um, Alex's delightful brand new kitten, um, who is tearing the house apart and basically just being forgiven all over the place. Um, as kittens are, no matter no matter what they do, and having been there, uh, got the t-shirt and got two cats of my own who are asleep on the settee behind me. Um, I know exactly how that feels. Um, let's start off with some just general chit chat, really. I think for part one, there's been totally by saying that I'm staring out into the garden where we buried the hamster. Carry on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh dear. Um, it, we'll just want to. I mean, we're not going to go through every single game. There's been too many of them. Um, I'll just pick out really that since our last podcast, um, uh, we immediately went on to draw with Burnley away, which 
came in for some criticism. Um, I'm not quite sure why when Burnley have won 28 out of their 29 points at home. Um, never going to be an easy side. Um, we've beaten Wolves and United in the FA Cup. Um, and we've had a, a, a tougher than I thought home win against Swansea. Um, I think the two games I'd probably like to concentrate on most are the big away wins. Um, the first one at West Ham. And then, of course, a marvellous uh, win against the, the rather, shall we say, aggressive and kick him up in the air Stoke City oh, um, start off with you uh, we'll get you in Alex straight <laughs> yeah, yeah. away but I think you've probably got to say about this so really uh, probably just stick around the West Ham and, and Stoke games which I think you were, you were at both weren't you I didn't do Stoke because um, mum was in hospital but no I did do uh, sorry I didn't do West Ham but I did do Stoke oh my god I've never seen such a pile of crap in all my life I don't think I've seen a referee in since that Norwegian bloke came to town for the Barcelona game. And then I thought I was being ranty and unreasonable until I came home to write the blog and I thought, I'll just make sure I'm not about to make myself look like a complete tit but like because I've said earlier in the season how wonderful Anthony Taylor is. And when I looked, the git bag was the one that was in charge when we had the punch-up at City and when Louise's leg got done, which I believe is still strapped to this day, so it just kind of confounded for me that the guy can't control a football game and should not be a Premier League referee. Which one referee was it again? On was it Friends? Anthony Taylor. Oh, Anthony Taylor. Okay. Yeah. Um, there seems to be a bit of an ongoing thing, doesn't it? That referees, there's very, very few of them around that don't make my heart sink when I see them in the um, mm. I Never Buy a program. I always nick the bloke in front to say who's the ref. I'm sure he's getting pretty sick of it. <laughs> um, uh, but. For me, um, West Ham was the game. That was the one I was probably more worried about than anything else, simply because um, Andy Bloody Carroll has a record of loving scoring against us. Um, and he just seems to... He remember years and years ago, um, Chris Sutton, when he played for Blackburn, used to do the same. Just used to play out of his bloody skin against us. Um, so much so that we went and signed Sutton, and we all know where that went. Um, uh, your thoughts on that, Donald? Uh, West Ham, I actually went to that game. It's one of the few I've managed to get to. Um, a friend of mine had a couple of uh, tickets. So um, I was sitting, obviously not with the beloved Chelsea away fans, but not far away from them. So I was able to soak up that atmosphere. Um, and apart from the moment when uh, Hazard scored and my son jumped up and I sort of rugby tackled him to the floor uh, before he was torn limb from limb, um, I, I enjoyed the uh, <laughs> I enjoyed the game. Um, like you, I was convinced, of course, that um, that the the man bun was going to uh, do for us again because he always does. And um, sure enough, they they started out fairly early on, getting the ball wide to is it Faguli and trying to get crosses into the uh, to the far post, targeting I assume. Um, uh, as per the Quetta and um, and Moses, but um, strangely they seem to to cope quite well, you know, with the with the early threat, and then from then on seem to get control of the game. And of course, the Hazard goal came just as Chelsea were sort of settling the game down. And uh, you know, it was a marvelous goal because we were sitting behind the goal that Chelsea were defending, so we were looking straight up the pitch at. Uh, at the move and it, it was you know sort of blindingly quick and uh very exciting moment even though i had to stay nailed to my seat chewing my fingers <laughs> and so uh, yeah and and 
the sort of West Ham expected fight back never never quite arrived, I didn't think. Um, they did have... I was a bit worried that they seemed to... Once they stopped moving the ball out wide because, uh, you know, Chelsea seemed to close down the wings, you know, didn't give them the room out there, didn't allow them to, to double up, etc. They then came inside and started running directly at Fabregas and, and that seemed to be yielding a little bit of success towards the end of the first half. Um, so it was heartening that straight after half time they got the second goal which really seemed to kill West Ham off it was a bit annoying that they gave away such a, a sloppy goal late on and <clears throat> Courtois was obviously you know mentally counting his clean sheet bonus or whatever they give him and uh, <laughs> the, ne- the next thing was Lanzini scored so although 2-1 sounds like it was a tight game it was it, it was never a game that we'd run away with um, and at one nil, at two nil, you always think if the other team get a goal, it could be, it could get tight. Yeah. But um, they, they were more in control of it for quite long periods than, than the score would suggest. And uh, yeah, it was a good performance. It was a chance to go to the Olympic Stadium and see what what it's like there and sample the atmosphere and so on. But, uh, the Chelsea away crowd were, yeah. were in good voice. You know, they they were quite impressive. So yeah, all in all, a good evening. But, yeah. uh, yeah, quicker. What about the um, Andy Carroll thing? I mean, he was he was a worry for me, a, a huge worry. Um, uh, and I, you know, it seemed to me that where we haven't done our homework in the past, we, we obviously do it a lot better now. Um, I always thought Mourinho was 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 obsessed with you know making sure you had every kind of possibility worked out. But Conte seems to have worked out, and 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 Carroll was pretty much shut out of the game, as were most of the West Ham players, most of the threat. Yeah, just uh, something that, that Donal uh, reminded me of when he was talking about uh, sitting with opposition fans. I remember a couple of years ago I was at um, the Emirates and um, I'd been given tickets by uh, 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 one of the Arsenal um, uh, Arsenal players, um, sort of entourage, and uh, we're, sitting in, we're sitting in one of the director's boxes and I was told, if Chelsea score, you do not get up, you do not celebrate, you do not do anything like that. So there I was, sitting on my hands. Diego Costa scores, and I looked around at all the other boxes, and there were people jumping up and down, going absolutely crazy. But Chelsea fans in all the other boxes. So, so sometimes uh, you find that you're not alone um, in these situations. Um, yeah. But as as for Costa, as for <coughs> sorry, as for Carroll, um, I was also really worried. And what I found amazing was that we um, we have nobody remotely as tall as Andy Carroll and yet we dealt with him all night I think with Victor Moses and Azpilicueta who are at least six well four or five inches smaller than him so it's an absolutely fantastic performance from those two uh, not just for what they did with the ball but also without because every time the ball came in you know they had to basically deny space for a guy who was pretty much twice their size so um, really really impressive performances from those two and generally um, a well-organised and well-disciplined performance because even when West Ham uh, had that, we were a bit ropey at the start, uh, but we weathered the pressure and we still played our football. So I, I actually think that of all the performances, uh, perhaps even the Man United performance as well, I think that's probably the best because we could have come a cropper there. We, were, we lost there in the League Cup and uh, we went there for the league game when they're arguably more up for it and, uh, and produced a much, much better performance and dominated the game from start to finish apart from the um, late goal at the end 
So I was really, really pleased with that. And, um, and, and, I, and I think we're slowly, it, it was the first time where I think a lot of people started to think there's really no hope for the rest of the rest of the chasing pack because people thought we'd go to West Ham, West Ham would rough us up, they'd put balls in the box, Carroll would uh, win all the all the um, 50-50s and, um, you know, we'd be in trouble. And it was pretty much a stroll. Um, so I think that was prior to Stoke. I think that was the first time where people, uh, certainly Tottenham, Liverpool, City, probably looked at that game and thought, you know, um, we're running out of time here. Yeah, Alex, uh, I'm interested in your point of view here because I, I you know, you, um, you, you you said some lovely words to me at the Arsenal game, which were along the lines of, oh, Tony, stop being a dick. Stop <laughs> being you a said dick. you were scared um, of them, though, to be fair. Yes, well, that was Arsenal, and I'm always worried. I, I have, you know, you, you, as, as you get to know me better, you'll, you'll know that my default position is pessimism. Um, but do you think the West Ham game was the game where finally our character um, for hard-earned wins came through, or has that been bloody obvious to um, everybody all season except yours truly? Am I the only one that's not seen this? I think that was more the case with Stoke. With West Ham, I just felt that every time we went forward and every time we sort of laid sort of 70% of a decent attack on them, they just looked helpless. It was like it was like beating up little kittens and puppies. They just didn't know what to do with themselves. And also, so I just want to go back to the comment about Victor Moses marshalling Carroll because there was an absolutely blinding minute like in the first opening five minutes when Carroll got smacked in the head and he literally rolled around on the floor and cried like a little girl. And then when you looked up at who had beaten him down, it was Victor Moses. I met Victor (laughs) Moses. We're the same height. He's thinner than I am, which makes me really, really sad. (laughs) So he's the same height as me, and he's skinnier than me, and he beat up <laughs> Carol, which to me, that was, because every time someone says the name Carol, I just want to do a donkey sound effect. I sit next to Arnie at away games, who does the most outrageously brilliant donkey sound effects at people like Phil Barsley all season long, and I just, I want to hear that every time someone else. <laughs> <writes. laughs> did you see, did you see Victor Moses? Victor Moses is literally Chuck Norris. Right, Andy Carroll smashes into he smashed into the back of Andy Carroll's head. And there's Victor Moses walking around like you know Conor McGregor doing Conor McGregor walk, and Andy Carroll's rolling around the floor. How hard is Victor Moses? I, I know mean, that man is he's made of steel, mate. Seriously. But then I want to say, you know, like you get all those Chuck Norris quotes, like uh, when Chuck Chuck Norris doesn't do push-ups, he pushes the world down. Yeah, that? I think that should be Kante more than anything, shouldn't it? Uh, can the Cantes because we know they're two of them, obviously. Yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, Can I just say in, in Andy Carroll's defence, and I'm not, no. I'm, you know, I'm not a man to. <laughs> I, I always think that, that we, you know, we pride ourselves on having a little balance on this on this uh, broadcast. Um, you know, you you smash your nose into the back of someone's head. You know that. You know when you push it right up, your eyes water. It does. It does hurt. Oh. It does. I, I don't have a man bun, so I feel oh, yeah. quite comfortable with admitting this. But yeah, it does hurt. I can see how he might I, have, because you know. My default position on Andy Carroll is that I have a photo of him that I have saved on four consecutive phones now that I trawl out all the time, which is about Andy Carroll at three in the morning stuffing like old Donner kebab in his face, like in a in like a cheap cafe somewhere with all his hair down and everything. And he looks like a proper rough night, but he's got a bottle of mineral. We've all been there. But he has a bottle of mineral water next to him, as if that's going to make it He's okay. an athlete. He's a professional athlete. Of course. <laughs> of course he's got a bottle of mineral water. 
water and not beer. So when he's up in front of the manager, why are you out at three o'clock eating kebab? I had me mineral water. I was I would do a, a, some form of northeastern accent. But, uh, yeah. did, did, do you guys know the story of uh, of uh, Hazard getting fined um, for his behaviour after a Belgium match? He apparently I think I can't remember. I think he 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 got substituted or something like that, and he left the stadium with his dad and went straight to the nearest hot dog stand and bought a um, bought a hot dog. And it was caught by somebody with uh, with one of their smartphones, and he got he got a massive it was big hoo ha about it. Brilliant. So uh, we're we're not entirely innocent in this. You know what it's I say just, about Hazard though is that um, you know last season's Hazard, I would picture him more as sort of the kind of player that just can't stop eating his kids' leftovers. Because from the what I see <laughs> on social media, his wife has a child like every six months. Yes. It's like it's a relentless procession of mini hazards coming out. And I just think he came back from that summer and it was clear he'd just like any leftover hamburger or sausage yep. at a barbecue, he'd gained the end of it. And that was like the little pot belly rather than the Andy Carroll school of thought, which is that he basically is just out on a 16 point vendor every Friday and Saturday night. So we decided that it's Hazard who's got the cravings rather than his wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or he's got those, you know, when they say, oh, I'm like pseudo craving with my missus. Yeah, whatever, porky. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't, I, this is probably why I never, ever, you know, like Stan Bowles couldn't pass a betting shop. I, I, I wouldn't be able to pass a kebab van if I was a footballer. You know, I, I, I think, because I'm, I'm a huge, a hu- I fucking detest the MasterChef. If you, I went to a restaurant and you serve me up anything, covered in a jus or anything like that, <laughs> that, that that barely that barely came out to uh, you know uh, a, a fifth of the size of the plate i would be like fuck off mate go get, i'd bring a kentucky or get a pizza delivered or something like that you know because that, it's just not right and Actually, I, I would be if I'm i was filthy rich, a millionaire and lived on my own i would that i would be on first name terms with the kebab delivery people they, you know, there'll be a standing order in this. So, you know, <laughs> you got you got to give them some some credit because I mean, usually you don't even make it to the kebab shop. I remember uh, I used to um, go out with my mate, um, and um, you know those uh, sort of hot dog kebab places that are on on wheels, and you'd be so hungry, and I'd be like, mate, there's a reason why it's on wheels, right? So the guy can get away as soon as the food standards inspectors come. It's a quick quick getaway, you know. <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm not having that. Money he earns if he actually like paid the kebab shop three hundred pounds to deliver him endless kebabs on like a Friday or so. Have you seen Andy Carroll's house? This is just as an aside. It was in the Daily Fail, I think, a few few months ago that he has a zebra print sofa and then like oh, pick walls and a disco ball in the kitchen. It's is, like, is that why he was under house arrest with uh, Ian Nolan, or what was it? Yeah. Was it yeah. was it's Nolan, just this uh, is what happened. It reminds me of going around Graceland. I have to say, <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> like, this is what happens when you give someone with two brain cells endless amounts of money and a chavvy girlfriend. It's horrific. There's like a disco ball in the kitchen. I don't want to let I anybody think, down. Think, it, it, it sounds like Klaus personified. Zebra <laughs> Prince was God, dear. Please tell me there's a mirror on the ceiling. I'm sure it was a PVC zebra print pink sofa <laughs> as well. Just, and there's him sitting on there beaming happily and everyone else going, oh. <laughs> Can I just say, that before, before we sort of alienate any casual West Ham fan who might have been listening in passing, um, 
On a more positive, can I tell a more positive West Ham related story, which might even show part of West Ham in a good light? I know we we don't like to do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my son plays for a, a football team, under thirteen team. They are part of a youth club. Um, that youth club has a big presentation every um, a big presentation night every year. It's it was set up by Formula One drivers, so you get Jackie Stewart there and his son, and sometimes a bit of royalty bowls in as well. Um, and this year, <clears throat> they they usually have a, a they had Saul Campbell last year, so this year they had Mark Noble, and I didn't realise it, but he's sort of from Canning Town, which is we're Hackney, so it's only just down the road, and um, he was a very very personable kind of guy and he, he gave a short speech and he took questions and answers from all the kids and so on and so forth and he, he really did come across very well a very grounded sort of person and he was asked inevitably about um about Payet and his answer surprised me in that what he said he said um last season was the most enjoyable season of football that I've played as a professional and the big reason for that was playing with Payet. He said he is the best player I've ever played with. And he had nothing negative. He said, I know the circumstances he's left in has upset West Ham fans, etc. But he said he was a lovely bloke, fantastic footballer, and I'm really sorry that he's gone. And it was completely, you know, I thought he'd give us some sort of wishy-washy, yeah, he was a good player, you know, I can't say anything. But he was, and he came back several times to talk about Payet on, on various different occasions. So the guy obviously had a big effect on him as, as captain of the team and, you know, what he had to say about him as a footballer and how much, you know, he sounded like a bit disappointed by the whole affair and the fact that the bloke had gone because it seemed to me that he was not enjoying his football the same way he did playing with him. I just thought it was so, quite interesting because you don't hear professionals quite, say that from times. You know. No, I quite like it because of the, with the few professionals I've met, they've always been, they've they've always been like that to you, to to a fan's face because there's not a camera on them, so they've not gone straight away into their media trained, uh, yeah. you know, mouth open but staying absolutely sod all of any value kind of thing, you know. So uh, that's, that's sort quite of, nice. Sort of reminds me of a of a, uh, you know, Marcelo Bielsa who's a bit. Um, yeah, he, he's not the usual kind of coach. Um, but Tim Vickery uh, tells a great story about him that he he'd uh, gone into a press conference after a game where Argentina had uh, had a couple of people sent off and you know all sorts of crazy decisions had gone against them. And um, first question is obviously about the referee. And so Bielsa just kind of stops for a bit and he says, "Usually I don't talk about referees." And you think, "Oh, right, here we go." And he said. But I want to apologise because I protested in the most ill-mannered form. So it's just these. Uh, sometimes you do get the odd surprise from uh, from people in the footballing community when they uh, when they start talking oh, about yeah. these things. When they string more than six syllables together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> indeed. Um, go, let's get back to the football. I, so well, I had a view of the West Ham. I I, I watched the game um, through my usual, you know, fingers um, over my eyes thinking, oh, God, this is going to be a disaster. Um, uh, and it and it wasn't. I was really pleasantly surprised. I didn't see the Stoke game um, because um, the only feed I could find was so shit and I refused to sully my viewing experience by constantly having to try and close down 
adverts for housewives that are only five miles up the road from me that apparently are so <laughs> desperate for it that they're willing to throw out adverts <laughs> feed or whatever. The guy, the guy filming a reflection of the TV on a mirror or something like that. Exactly. No, it just drives me bloody mad. It does. And um, uh, uh, and, uh, and besides, if they fight us by five miles away, was it any way interested in me? I think I'd probably know by now. I don't really need you to stream it down while I'm watching Chelsea. Thanks very much. Also, um, as well, isn't uh, it like the rule that it should be a different postcode? Surely you want them at least ten miles away. You would, yes. I mean, there's there's the the, the whole uh, maxim of not shitting on your own doorstep, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. As well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, so, I, I couldn't uh, possibly people... comment on all this. this is... yeah, yeah, <laughs> Too much calculation going Happily on married man, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. Yeah. going, I love my wife, I love my wife. Yes, yes. I think me and Alex are revert, re- regressing to the mean here a little bit. Um, I'm going to say... So, By the way, Tony, people... can I just ask, you said you, you, you viewed the West Ham game through your usual fingers. What's the most recent game where you've look through unusual fingers and, and what are when he's fingers? with the housewife what are your <laughs> what are your uh, unusual yes, yeah. fingers you, is it some, yeah, that, that. Fingers, <laughs> is some congenital um, condition yeah, you've got in the hand that you've got some unusual fingers if you ever see me after seven or eight pints of uh, uh, real ale then you'll, you'll know that my fingers um, are all over the shop really you know um <laughs> You're, you're five miles um, away when you're watching these kind of games, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, describe the sound Blackburn away. Um, uh, I think universally, uh, probably the, uh, you know, agreed as the turning point, even though I've tried to sort of make out with, you know, with West Ham or not. Um, I think it was the away game when we thought it was possible. Um, I, I want to go back to you, Alex, um, the aggression that Stoke showed. Um, oh, I, I I don't know what the problem is. You know, I often think that um, people seem to view us um, as some sort of you know, airy fairy Arsenal-like lightweight ballet dancing um, precious team, and I don't ever recall a Chelsea side, you know, since the Mourinho day certainly being like that. We've always been pretty much um, in in London terms, probably the standard bearers of uh, a team that are willing to dig in, give it back as good as we get. And we've always had a, a fairly combative one or two players in there. You know, Drogba could dish it out, Costa could dish it out, and was made of glass, but, you know, he, he was still uh, an integral part of that team um, when McQuayna tried to basically amputate him from the, the knee downwards. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, should we expect anything less? Do we, do we think that Stoke should come and, or we should go to Stoke and they would, you know, play like Arsenal? What do you think? I know what you think, but oh, I want you to tell me what... God, where do I start? I don't even know why I'm fucking surprised, right, that twice a year they roll up on our doorstep or we roll up on theirs, and I'm surprised by the fact that they just try and kick the living crap out of us for 90 minutes. And then I think, oh, yeah, it's what they always do. And I don't know if I associated with that with Pulis, and that's why I don't expect it now, but, oh, it was absolutely terrible. I did, I just sum it up that... The relief when Cahill scored, the utter relief in the stand, the away supporters. And it was just kind of, it was manic. And it was like a massive, fuck you, like after everything you've done to us for 90 minutes, after everything, I've already mentioned Anthony Taylor, after everything you've been allowed to do for us for 90 minutes, we've actually won anyway. So shove it. 
that is what it was like when that goal went in. It was insane. I mean, my brother said he cheered so loud he thought he dislocated his jaw. I got Arnie's elbow in the face. My brother got my fist in his jaw as well. It just, it was, the celebration was insane. It was like, you know that Stoke game at home where we were losing with five minutes to go or whatever, and then Lampard scored and Belletti scored, and we actually won it in injury time. Yeah. And you felt like oh, the yes. roof was going to come yeah, off yeah. That is what it was like, because it was just like you had been in the face of their fuckwittery for 90 minutes and Anthony Taylor just pretending he wasn't seeing any of this crap for 90 minutes. Somehow we found a way through. That is how it felt to me. And that's why I said I thought that was a turning point. And actually, when I got home and I did the blog, I thought, you know what? I'm going to let myself rant today. I don't care if they say, oh, look at her. She's on her period. I thought I'm just going to go absolutely (laughs) all out and say I thought this was a pile of wank on the part of the officials and on the part of Stoke and this is why and actually not one person came back and went oh I love calm down like no one actually everyone who was there has said yeah I agreed on that I thought the referee was particularly wank on that day I'm done now well said I'm I'm not actually trying to sort of um to justify I, I I just have this thing I do wonder whether or not we are you know, a bit overly precious about our guys. Um, Quaku, your See, thoughts I on don't this one? Think, sorry, can I just add what well, I don't think we are. You said that before we started. Um, you're right. We're not a bunch of pussies. We're not us. And like you sit there and, and I said about four times during the game, no wonder they always do Arsenal. But we're not like Arsenal and we're not a bunch of pussies. But I think there's a line whereby you can moan about wanting referees to protect your players and all that crap. And half of half the time you think, oh, I'll just man up. But this was something else at Stoke. It was something else. Quick who? Well, uh, Adrian Durham doesn't like us very much. And uh, he was literally in, he was in paroxysms of anger about how Stoke were treating us. Um, I, know, I know it's the Brexit capital of, of, of Britain, but I think it's a bit early to be kicking us out of Europe. Um, there we go i thank you i'm here all week indeed um no i i i i thought that um my biggest worry is that costa was going to get sent off because uh they clearly knew what they were doing and uh although costa was generally doesn't get sent off in these instances he usually gets himself booked and only booked um it was looking a bit ropey, um, particularly because uh, it's Shawcross and, and these kind of people, when they when they hassle you, they really do hassle you. Um, and again, I think the main thing was that we showed character. Uh, we, we've been banging on about this all season, but it's so important because when you're up in, in this kind of situation and, you know, they're kicking you and they're putting balls in the box and you're making, you know, it's easy to make mistakes and then, you know, you, you go one nil down and then you lose your composure and then before you know it, you've lost the game. Um, but they tried it with us, as Blackburn did all those years ago with McQuainer and all those kind of people and Dickoff and Savage and all these people. And we didn't break. Um, and that's the main thing. Um, we went there, we went to a ground where people think, you know, it's just an archetypical wet Wednesday in Stoke and all the rest of it. We went there um, and we handled it. So, um, and Costa didn't get sent off. Um, so for me, another test passed. Um, and the thing about all of these games is what it does to the other sides on that table. If you're Tottenham, you're Man City or you're Liverpool, 
and you're you're you, you know you're, you're tuning in because a lot of these players will have you know they have their texts coming in and mates and all the rest and telling them what the score is, and you're hearing that okay, Stoke have equalised at Chelsea, but then Chelsea have equalised in the last minute just before you go out and play. What does it do to your psyche? You know, you go out and you know that Stoke have tried it, they've tried it and they've mixed it and, you know, Chelsea still haven't broken and they've got another three points on the table. And as every week passes, uh, we get close to that table, uh, to close to that title, uh, because we pass these kind of tests um, and people are just running out of ideas with us, you know? That's a terrible vacuum there. Yeah, I'm missing a bit. Have we lost Tony? Have we, have we kicked Tony out of Europe as well? Oh no, sorry. It was uh, I was on fucking mute. Christ Almighty! You know, um, new technology defeats pissed old hackers. Private, I used to say. Um, except so, Tony, I'm what, actually what, pissed. What, what, what bus stop are you calling from then? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I I I balls that up a little bit there. Um, I think uh, I was just asking Donal actually what his what, what his view was on be. this. I thought you might be, but I didn't want to be presumptuous and start wittering on if something else was about to happen. Um, my, my... Well, I'll, I'll explain what it was. Okay, my missus walked through the door, which is why I was on mute because she was comes in all bright and cheerful. Hello, and can you help me with a shopping or whatever? And she yeah. Said, and she said, um, I just met a nice Russian um, lady just down the road. And she actually... <laughs> <laughs> they, they stole my joke. <laughs> so, oh, I thought you were going to say something serious. You know, you know, oh, you know, you know how they say that somebody, you know, how they say that somebody's oh, a million, um, somebody's a million miles away. Tony was only five. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it wasn't in the script. I'm not that shallow. All right, <laughs> Tony. I just want to say I live 11 miles away from you, so it's on. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we've been separated on the fan cast. Sorry, please, please continue. <laughs> right, if I can paint those picture, unusual fingers, if I can paint a <laughs> picture for you, Tony. Um, outside, uh, we're, we're, we're in the deep south the sultry heat, we've got the windows open. Oh, no, we're not in the deep south, are we? We're in New York City in the sultry summer. The, the, the air conditioning's broken down. We're all in this room. We, a lot of us don't really want to be there, and we've, we've got to come to a decision. And there's this annoying bloke who keeps standing up and defending the man that we know is absolutely guilty. So I am channeling my best Henry Fonda to you now. And what oh, I want to say... Yes. What I want to say is, is Stoke City, yeah? They came came to Stamford Bridge earlier in the season. And to be fair to them, I thought they came there to play football. You know, it was a a good game. And I don't want to mischaracterise them um, and say that they are still the same old clog as they were under Tony Pulis. I I think they, they have evolved. Um, I think they they are a more capable football team or have been in, in, in the last couple of seasons, definitely. And what what I think is interesting is that they they went to Stanford Bridge and probably gave it more of a go than quite a lot of teams have done. Scored two goals, kept us, you know, feeling a little shaky there for, mo- for, for most of the afternoon. And so why, when when they're at home, when perhaps they could have even more of a, a go footballing wise, they chose to, to revert back, particularly as it followed directly on from like the Man United game where Man United had 
obviously set out to, to rough Chelsea up and that hadn't really worked for them. And, you know, I was a, I was a bit sad to see Stoke do that because I don't think they're, they are that type of team anymore. Well, they sing, they, swing low, they sing swing, swing Low Sweet Chariot for a reason. I, I, I absolutely agree, though, Donald. I, I've got to say, I, 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 up until that Stoke were the best team I'd seen at Stamford Bridge this season. They yeah. gave us a game of football where and no, they were like a, you know, one of these punch-drunk idiots that no matter how many times you smack them down on the floor, they got up and kept on coming and having a go. Mm. Um, and, and I'm slightly mystified as to why at home, when the you know they've they've got their twelfth man as it were, um, you know in yeah. one of the most notoriously sort of noisy um, mm. sort of kind of rowdy stadiums in the country, they they felt the need to do that. Uh, is it a Mark Hughes trait? I think I'm beginning to wonder now because um, certainly most Mark Hughes teams, even City when he was in charge of them, had a habit of coming and uh, and basically just just trying to you know clog their way through the game. Can I give you an interesting? Uh, can I give you an interesting factical? You know, we're all referring to this. We're all referring to this as the Blackburn game. Who was the manager? Who was the manager? Oh Christ! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good points, Alex. I heard you in the background. You were. Hmm. Yeah, I I really do agree that they've come on well since. I thought they they had changed as a team, and I think Mm. they have developed as a team. And I don't associate them with being the utter boring dross that they were under Pulis. But they did revert to that on Saturday. More than anything, I think it's just it's just wank. You're at home. Go out and try and win the game. That's just it's defeatist, and it's it's mugging off your own fans as well. Yeah, they don't want to see that. They want to see you fight to win, not just fight. There was a lot of empty seats yeah. there as well, wasn't there? The attendance yeah. is down as like twenty-seven thousand. I mean, what does what does the uh, stadium hold? About thirty-five, forty, something like that. Is it? It seems. Not... You know. I don't know, but it, it. You're right. It did seem that way. Um, mm. uh, but mate, you, you, I, that may just be you know final ten game fatigue where people are yeah. just thinking, oh, I've got something better to do. It's, it's Chelsea. We've got no chance. So whatever. The, the days when when people used to sort of whistle happily down the street, they go, oh, we're going to go and see the team that could be champions. What a jolly good show. I think they're they're gone. It's like, oh, fuck that. You know, there's yeah. a sail on at Primark. Yeah. Sail on at Primark. We'll go down there or something like that. Um, uh, overall, um, I, I, I just want to have a quick word from each of you on um, on the uh, the antipathy um, and possibly even hatred in some quarters that was shown to uh, to our former enfant terrible um, Jose Mourinho um, when he turned up at Stamford Bridge. I, I watched the game again through you know fearful sort of hands over eyes, whatever. But uh, I, I was slightly surprised. I found myself in a bit of a Twitter row. Um, in fact. It, it might be described as a Twitter shitstorm that I kicked off because I was just so fucked off with people. Um, I don't mind people saying, look, you know, uh, he's a a twat now or whatever, but there were people just sort of denigrating him and seemed to have very short memories on everything that he did for us. Uh, And my own view, I think people were calling him Judas, I mean, which is just unbelievably moronic to, you know, a guy that we sacked who had the temerity to go to another team in the Premiership. Um, your, your thoughts, people? I'm going to start, and I know Alex has got something to say on this, so mm-hmm. I'll start with you, Kweku, first. <laughs> uh, I, I, heard your, I heard your rant about this on the, on the fancast, and I thought it was absolutely spot on. Um, but some facts. Um, this is not the first time it's happened. Uh, it happened 
when we played into Milan in 2010, some people in the Harding Lower were doing it then. I don't know why, um, and it was very, very loud, uh, but nobody remarked on it at all then. Um, second thing, the Judas uh, business was apparently one bloke in a ski hat, and apparently he was being coated <laughs> off by, you know. Uh, yeah. oh, that, there might be something in that then, yeah. Yeah, you know, so, um, you know, I don't know where, where he had the goggles as well, but um, he... <laughs> Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. <laughs> Give me fame. <laughs> you know, so apparently it was, it was him versus Mourinho for, for, for most of the match. So so those are the two things. But the thing is that it's the, the main thing is it's just not what we do. I mean, we, we're the set of fans. When Frank Lampard scored an equaliser against us with about two minutes to go and we won nil up, we sung his name about five minutes later. We just don't do that kind of thing. It's so... It's, it's, uh, the word I use for it is... It's, it's muggy. Arsenal. It's muggy. Yeah, muggy. And it's slightly Arsenal as well. But um, yeah. it's just... I don't, I don't know why. I don't know whether it's people thinking, well, you know, I've, I just want to do it because it'll be fun. Or, but I, I, I was just a bit disappointed. Look, I know that he's, he said things which we wouldn't have liked him to say... I, I preferred the way we treated him when he came uh, for the league game, which is to politely ignore him. Because, yes, you know, I, I just yeah. think that's the best way of going about it. He, he, first of all, it feeds into his narrative, which is what he wanted after he lost the game. He wanted an excuse. He wanted something to hang, hang the performance on. We gave it to him. And secondly, because the facts are the facts. When, whenever did we go around the country uh, knowing every game that we went, that we were the best side in the country for for how many seasons was it we'd go all over the country and we knew that we were the best we knew that we have the team that everybody wants to be and that's a sensation i've never had as a chelsea fan until he came you know and yeah. I, I think i think that has to be respected well, all the things that come after that uh, you know just uh, just 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 life but he gave us that feeling for three years and I think it has to be respected. And I, I think we should yeah. show a bit. So I think the people who did it just, should show a bit more class. And it's not everybody yeah, so by any means. Just, just for the, the sake of the of the podcast. So when I was on the fan cast, I, I just put across the view that actually, why don't you just ignore him? Just move on. He's not our manager anymore. He's just the manager of another club. Um, I, I just don't see the need to try and, and be a revisionist about his impact on the club. Um, I'm going to go to you, Donald, because I'm going to save Alex till last on this one. And because I think she's... Alex, I'm going to leave, leave you to talk about Mourinho and then lead into your Joey Barton. Oh, okay. brew of spitting blood. All right. <laughs> okay. So um, off, off you go then, Donald. Um, yeah, I didn't see the, uh, the, the United game because I was uh, listening to Mark Noble talking about Pyatt that, that night. Um, but in general... My view would be that would be that um, he's a, he's a master of shithousery, and I don't understand why people get so wound up or so surprised that he's now sitting at Man United, a club that you know some people thought was the club he always wanted to be at. Um, he's there, you know. Chelsea are standing in his way, and he will engage in exactly the same sort of things that people used to espouse their unabiding love for him. You know, when he was at Chelsea and doing this sort of thing, everyone loved it. Um, now he's with someone else doing it. You're quite right. I don't, 
you just shrug your shoulders and move on because you know that's that's how he operates that's his 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 way of working and you know the other side of it is if it's one bloke in a ski hat shouting at him that's you know that gets translated in reports into chelsea fans and then like the whole stadium um that that's obviously not what was happening um yeah i it's 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 a lot of fuss over nothing in my opinion you know he's he's going to he's going to upset chelsea fans at some point by saying something just got to remember that that's how how he operates that's how he works and you know he's if you take it too seriously you're just you're just falling into the trap he's laying for you that's my view of it so Indeed. There's also and one quick, quick reason as well. That the, the, the fact of the matter is that as soon as he leaves Man United, you can guarantee that he'll be saying the nicest possible things about Chelsea when he retires. He's just got to wake up to what the game is, the game is that he's playing. That's all. Couldn't agree more. He, do, he does. He does look. Sorry, um, I was going to say he does look genuinely. I think a, not a happy person. Pretty much as he was looking in his yeah. sort of second yeah. year at Chelsea you know, or even towards the end of the first year of his return to Chelsea. He's, 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 he seems he's, a troubled man to me, you know. I don't he does. Know. He seems to have gone from that enfant terrible with this sort of underlying mm. sense of, you know, wicked humour or whatever into a, a rather um, early version of a man in his mid-50s, if you like. So, he's, I, I don't know. He's, he's not been the same since Madrid, is my view of it. No, no he, 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 yeah, he's, he's, he's become into very... Very, very morose, and yeah, there's a spark gone. Alex, over to you. Oh, I just think if you get wound up for him by him, then you're as big a twat as he is. Really, uh, he's just becoming a parody of himself, isn't he? Like you say, like that wit and humour and everything, and and you camp him on it to the end of Madrid when he basically looked like a cab driver who'd been sleeping in his car for like the last month, walking around all dishevelled, <laughs> shouting randomly at people like a lunatic. And he's kind of halfway, I don't know if you see on the blog, but I do this uh, Mourinho scale where I rank Conte's mental well-being on the Mourinho scale. And the theory is that the more dishevelled and tramp-like they start looking and the more they just start waffling incoherently, that's like DEFCON 5. That's like the Russians are coming. <laughs> and I've had Conte sort of, I think I've moved him up to DEFCON 2 just after um one game this season. But other than that, he's just been coasting at DEFCON 1. And it's just that's, that's what Mourinho is. And I will say that it really pisses me off when you pick up the paper and you read that Chelsea fans, as in all of us, have been chanting this shit. I was in the Matthew Harding upper. I heard some people in the Matthew Harding lower and it wasn't any Judas stuff. It was you're not special anymore. And then I heard more people than were actually doing the chanting. I heard more people getting really angry with them and telling them to shut the fuck up because you should show this man some respect. You don't have to like him. Don't get me wrong. I have pissed myself laughing at his expense the whole of this season with some of the stuff he's come out with. Um, We've turned him over twice now. Who's won, really, in footballing terms? Who's won at the moment, if you look at it? And I just think that's the line. You can have a giggle. You can have a laugh. He has a laugh at our expense with these silly little digs he takes at us in the media and things like that. But then to cross the line and start calling him a Judas, we fired him twice He's not a Judas. He's just a bellend. That's basically he's just the stuff. Like when he came out, I said, if he he's not a Judas, 
He's not a traitor, but if he honestly thinks that Pogba was the best player on the pitch when they played us in the cup, then he is just a monumental bellend, which I think is uh, really yeah deluded. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, that that that's taken on uh, that comment was was Wenger of Wenger proportions, you know, which is, um, you know, that's kind of the ultimate delusional state of football management, I think, is when you are... He doesn't believe it. This is that we're not, you know, Alex, you were spot on, because it's usually, it's usually one or two people, and we all know the type. In and the, every in the club's got them. I mean, look, exactly. at the, look at the Wexit lot at Arsenal. Every club's oh. got their fair share of wankers that you just like to punch in the face, even though they support the same football club as you. I, I tell you what, we should, we should give them all free ski hats, and then we yeah. can identify yes. them all. Exactly. And, then, uh, oh, and then, then just stand outside with a massive wet haddock and slap them all with yeah. them. Yeah. Big, big sign saying, free ski hats, blood. Yeah, yeah fat. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to jump in, and that was, that was marvellous, Alex, and uh, I just want to say to Donal, I hope you are recording this, because I've just realised the first 10 minutes, um, I was recording the wrong app, I was recording Google, because I was basically hooking something off the net the other day, and I switched over to Skype, so the first 10 minutes are the bit that you probably, I do hope you got it, Donal, because I think Nick can stitch it together, um, and their listener is li- a proof that it's live. Um, I had a cold sweat moment, and I think I got through it. I've got, I've got, I've got, you know, everything from ten minutes onwards. Um, Tony, you've been watching House of Cards any, in the middle of the podcast. Just in case there's any problem, could everyone start writing down their immediate recollection of the last hour? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to move move on, and before I do, uh, I, I I I kind of put the the part two. We're going to talk about the team, but we're not going to talk about Kante because he's been bloody marvellous. Um, but um, I know that Alex has is is got something she would like to see about Kante and a certain Mr. Joseph Barton, never of our estate, um, and his comments. On you go then. There are no words to describe how much I hate that man. I Seriously, the venom I have for Joey Barton and the shit that comes out of his mouth, I usually only reserve for Nicola Sturgeon and people who punch kittens. Like, he literally, he opens his mouth and it just makes me foam at the mouth. Um, and his latest one this week was that Kante is overrated, apparently. And then he went into this kind of thing. That's what they put as the headline. And I thought, oh, OK, well, let me at least read some of this twaddle and make sure a sensational headline. But no, he says, oh, I played against him a couple of weeks ago. And don't get me wrong, he's very good. But he's never played in the Champions League. He's not that great. And he doesn't create anything. What a shit you are. I mean, really, this is like, um, first of all, you wear a hairband, so your opinion counts for nothing. And secondly, are you just living on another planet? He said, I think he said that everybody was jumping on a bandwagon with Kante. Discuss. It's a, it's a bit like saying that, you know, a fork uh, isn't, isn't a very good uh, utensil for eating cereal with. You know, I know. It's like, it's like, I mean, what, you know... Uh, well, it just proves that you don't have to have a handle to be a mug. No, <laughs> I, try, I tried to do that whole little speech without using the word shit with the c word on it on the end. But just like, 
Really? I mean, so basically, your football has never been anything to talk about it. You're a run-of-the-mill, all right, you're professional football, you're a moron, you're a pseudo-intellectual who tries to sound smarter than you are, you pretend to be French when you're clearly not, and then you come out with stuff like that for attention because nobody is ever going to talk about you as a footballer. Don't drag well, Kante into or, it. Kante's in good company because I think he was doing the same thing with Neymar as well, and that was the <laughs> same night that Neymar actually powered Barcelona to, to knocking PSG out of the... Uh, out of the uh, Champions League, and he, he got so much stick that night. Isn't it? So he's Kante's uh, he, in good company. Just, uh... I think um, <laughs> so. I put um, the book of the blog up for pre-order a couple of weeks ago, and it kind of went into the top five on football books. But I was still one place behind Joey Barton's autobiography. So I was on my oh. Facebook going, "Come on, people, pre-order, pre-order!" <laughs> I just cannot live in a world where he outranks me at anything. Are you seriously saying you wouldn't be in the trenches with Joey Barton? I'd shoot him. <laughs> oh, dear. I'd oh, that's... his kneecaps so that they shipped him away from me and back to Blighty. <laughs> and just, and I, I swear, the whole battalion... Where he could, where, where he could pretend to be a poet. Pretend, yeah, and the whole battalion would <laughs> pretend that they didn't see me do it because they'd be so grateful that I just made him shut up and go away. So usually the way to get out of the trenches was to put pants on your head and put uh, pencils in your nose, but... In our case, it's just to say that we're we're in the same trench as Joey Barton. Well, I well, think, that, I think, I think they would prove your sanity. Yeah, they, they would. They'd say one look at you and say, "Well, there's nothing wrong with you, mate. You had the sense to shoot him in the kneecaps." No, or so, well, the general would sit him down and go, "So, Private Barton, what's this you said about Kante?" And he'd give that little speech, and they go, <laughs> "You're clearly a fucking lunatic," and he'd be off. He'd be in that um, <laughs> golf club come. Looney Asylum in Scotland with Sassoon and all his lot. <laughs> and right. he belonged there, to be fair. <laughs> Sassoon and Wilfred Owen joined by Joey Barton. I so want to write that sitcom. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> uh, just fantastic. Oh, you've given me so many ideas, Alex. Um, I'm going to move on now uh, because I do want to talk about some, some um, aspects. Oh, of it's the your team. turn to rant now, isn't it? It's a little bit because um, I, I sat there... Um, refusing to watch uh, the Stoke game um, and because uh, of the shite stream. Um, can that, I intro that, that you this bit? You can. Feel free. Go on, Alex. Tony, I hear that you may have a problem with how some people have been regarding our captain, Gary Cahill, in the past. Yes, I do, Alex. <laughs> they are utter fucking nappy-shitting morons. I am... <laughs> apoplectic with rage through the Stoke game. Not because of any kicking by Shawcross and Bardsley and associated um, uh, lunatic fringe thug players that they might have in their team, but by our own fans uh, and people that have rapidly left my timeline in some cases um, who were absolutely cutting him off because he gave away a penalty, which... I didn't see because of the inability of the stream. I watched it back on the game of the day later on. was at best, at best, a very soft penalty. It was about as flaccid as Joey Barton trying to make an intellectual argument. Exactly. Yes, and I mean that was that was quite that was quite that was quite clean actually, Alex. Really, you mentioned the word flaccid. What's coming next? You know. May will have used a different description before. Listen, uh, I, I Gary Cahill, um, is he John Terry? No. Is he spectacular? No. Um, has he been very good replacement for John Terry? 
absolutely. This boy has come to our club from Bolton when he was the Bolton captain when they were a Premiership team. Shortly okay. after they were absolutely destroyed in an FA Cup semi final at Wembley. Right, but and he's come. Um, when, uh, when when we, we took him on, um, when uh, the general feeling was that we needed somebody like him in the team, number one, he's English. Number two, he's a professional footballer. Number three, he's so brilliant in front of the camera, okay? They, they, you, he doesn't mask his emotions. When he's down, he's down. And on the pitch, you see that. And on, when he's up, he's up. You saw that celebration when he got that goal against Stoke. Uh, and he's done that several times. He's coming through with captain's goals. He has won every fucking trophy there is to win. OK, I think he's still the record holder for the most amount of trophies in the shortest amount of time or something like that. OK, Champions um, League uh, played with one leg in Munich. Yes, one leg. Right. And, and did us proud. And I just think that it's the uh, it's kind of like a mentality we have at, uh, at Chelsea where we have the Mikel Boo boys, the ones who just slagged off Mikel day in, day out, week after week after week because they couldn't see what the bloke did in the background. The same sort of people that would dig out Ballack, would dig out Deschamps, all right, because these players aren't spectacular. And Gary Cahill may not be a shouty captain, although I, I, I dispute that because when he's down my end, when I'm down at the Matthew Harding, uh, there, you know, I've, I've heard him several times. Okay, him and Louise have teamed up fantastically. They are they are like um, Iceman and Maverick. They have each other's backs. Okay, um, and, and Louise may well do more of the directing than, than gets credit for, or whatever. But those two are there's a bromance going on there, on that mm. pitch and off that pitch. Those two are a partnership. And Gary Cahill has done nothing to warrant the shit he took on Saturday from people who seem think that unless he goes out and scores five goals in a game he's shit that they are idiots gary cahill is a fine proper chelsea worthy captain and what's more you idiots he's scoring captain goals he's that doing what john terry goal did. at stoke and you're absolutely. absolutely right when you say is he john terry no is there ever going to be another john terry probably not no not someone who comes along and comes through the ranks and plays for you for nigh on 20 years. No. Is he the next best thing? Yes. Is he the best successor to John Terry? Yes. Because you're never going to have a personality like that again. He's a quiet captain. It's clear that Conte's in charge. He's no, There's no conflict there. But he is exactly the right kind of temperament to succeed John Terry because he's not trying to be him. That's the, much the, my feeling the, on it anyway. The, the, the thing is, right... He doesn't need to be John Terry. We've got the no. best defensive record in the league. Exactly. That's where the argument starts, and that's where it ends. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, for me, I mean, you just, I'm afraid we're just going to have to deal with these kind of... It seems to have been... These people always existed, and then we had social media, and then they had... You know, a voice, uh, unfortunately. A voice yeah. for everybody <laughs> to hear them. And, you know, they're, they're, oh, they're, they're, they're kind of, you know, the kind of people who, you know, you, you wonder how they, they manage to, you know, press the keys properly because, um, you know, they just, it's the same crap every single game. Um, and, you know, you're, you're just never going to make them happy. So I suggest you use the mute, mute button. I think. Can you just say as well that um, you... Because obviously he's not JT, he's not been with us since he's 14, blah, blah, blah. Do you know he even wears the club watch? He is a club man and he has been since the day he arrived at Chelsea. If he plays for you, his entire heart and soul is with your club. And I think 
it's so rare that you sort of get like a slippy G or a JT who comes all the way through and that this is the next best thing. And I think this is what you can expect in modern football. Someone who signs for you. And from the second he walks through the door, he will give you everything. And that's I mean, what no, he's done. No one well, on that second. Munich pitch, no one on that Munich pitch uh, should have their loyalty questioned because no, half of no. those players were injured. Um, I little... don't know if you can see, We, I, from my view in Munich, Paolo Ferreira was ready to go and staying warm, fully kitted, ready to run on at a second's notice for the last 25 minutes of that game because just in case one of Cahill or Louise went because their hamstrings were basically like Daniel Sturridge's on that night. Yeah, yeah but to be fair, that's not saying much because so is JT, so, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> I'm going to move it on. I've had that rant, um, but I would like a comment from you, Donal. Um, you've, you've, you've been sat there patiently. Um, just a little bit about um, uh, perhaps Gary Cahill with Louise. Uh, lead us into Pedro as well, because I think there's a little bit of an unsung hero going on there. Okay, lead us into Pedro. That sounds like some form of sounds so dirty, Catholic, a sort of Catholic rite. Lead us into Pedro. Anyway, um, I, I, I think with Twitter, you just you have to just. <laughs> You have to divide it all by a thousand. I think people just, people are watching a game and very often they're in isolation. So they're either shouting at the wall or they're punching the keys on Twitter. And I always think people are putting the first thing, you know, if if we all could trap our subconscious and replay it, we probably do say things to ourselves like that. But, you know, instantly forget it because we then sort of rationalize what we're seeing or hearing or whatever and so you know Cahill you hear the commentator go "Ah, it's penalty Cahill's bundled him over there before you see anything of a replay you're oh Cahill again you're thinking back oh I'm a Swansea Cahill because you're trying to find the weak link in the team all the time and so yeah there are people who are genuinely daft but I think a lot of people just put stuff out there because they're just it's a way of venting their tension and their frustration um because they're they're not with friends they're not with they're not at the game they're not able to you know to to vent it in it through the normal channels and that's that's my theory and if anyone wants to pay me an enormous amount of money to go and do research then <laughs> please do <laughs> indeed um pedro um we, we we sort of said about that but um i had him and i think me and chid have discussed this on the fan cast and probably when alex was there as well um last season i had him down as the second worst player i'd ever seen after juan Cuadrado wearing a chelsea shirt in my life do you know, uh, do you know Tony, include, I... um, there's some players in there but yeah well alan mays and i've seen him play and i've seen um trevor Ayler and i've seen um you know chris sutton um but he's been an absolute revelation for me this season. Pedro really has. Do you know, Pedro is an extremely lucky man. Um, he's very talented. He's a very good footballer. And I enjoy watching him. He's also very lucky because he's he's sort of occupying that part of the pitch, which previously uh, has been occupied by people. You, you mentioned Quadrado, um, Schürrle, uh, De Bruyne, um, and... The, Others will come to mind. The sort of talented player who we all got very excited about being at Chelsea and a certain manager who we were discussing earlier was particularly guilty of this, but others did it as well. They sort of parked them out there on the wing a bit and, you know, gave them 20 minutes a game. And if 
it didn't really work out well, they subbed someone else on or took them off or dropped them for the next game. And I think he's so lucky that it's been Conte because Conte has has identified who his players are, who the players who can work for him are, who can apply his tactics and has seen in Pedro something that we weren't seeing, you know, last year um, and probably didn't expect to see. And yeah, Pedro is, he's a fantastic player, you know, and we're very lucky that he's had a manager or a coach who's, who's been able to get, you know, get out of him what we used to see at Barcelona because it didn't look like it was going to happen. And I I have a secret feeling. I know that Cuadrado was on the books and Conte let him go, probably on the basis that he had Pedro here, he had Hazard, he had Willian, etc. But I bet you he could have made something that Cuadrado can't be as bad as we think he was. He's, he's doing well in Italy. Um, yeah, I know people say it's a weaker league, it's a different league, etc. But I bet you Conte could have made Quadrado work for Chelsea. I'm absolutely convinced of it. And Salah. Yeah, yeah. And Salah. Alex, and Alex, Alex, talk to me about Fabregas then, please. Uh, Fabregas. So I don't love him. I don't adore him. But I really respect him after this season. I really do. For just being a bloody professional all season long. No moaning. No bitching when he wasn't in the side. You just take your chances and you prove yourself when you get them. Um, and just being a real team player, basically, all season. I mean, he he really wound me up last season. I sort of I I know that it's been said, oh, he didn't have anything to do with the whole Mourinho and thing that, but his attitude definitely was it did grind my gears as Peter Griffin would say. But um, no, I think he's been outstanding this season and not just when he's been called into action, but just as an example of how to operate in a modern squad, basically. Because he would have had more action had we been in Europe or not gone out of the the monkey cup, whatever it's called now, um, early in the season. He could have expected more game time um, and he's been given his rewards as well. So he has started when he's played well and I think that sort of shows him an out, if you like, when he's not getting picked. But I just think that come next season, if he's still around, which I hope he will be, when we're playing in multiple competitions and that, I don't think it will be an issue that he doesn't start every Premier League game. Um, but I, I do think that he's been outstanding as a member of our squad this season. Um, hey, me too. Um, Kweku, um, the choice between him and Matic um, becomes uh, more into the fray, I guess. Um, so just a, just a, a few words on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, just a quick one for, for Pedro as well. I, I just have so much respect for this guy. Um, one of the reasons why I was, I was quite pleased when, when we bought him was that he was, when Guardiola managed uh, Barcelona B, because a lot of people forget that that's how Guardiola got his break, he managed Barcelona B very well. Um, and um, he plucked Pedro from Barcelona B and put him into the Barcelona first team. Um, and a lot of people at Barcelona didn't rate Pedro, but he worked and worked and worked. And I think you, st- I think you can see now uh, what, how he, how he does what he does, hard work. Um, so, uh, you know, much, much respect to, to that guy. Uh, he deserves everything he's, he's getting at the moment. Um, Fabregas and Matic, I, I, I personally, I, I've been saying that it'd be a good idea to the rest of the season for us to go three, five, two, so that I know you don't like numbers tone, but, um, just the, the tactical stuff, but just 
just because I think Fabregas should be in the team alongside Hazard. I think he's earned the right to be in the team. Um, and just on last season, last season was just so foul um, for, just for so many reasons. But one of the things that Fabregas said was that I forgot how to play football. Um, and he's basically depressed, essentially. He, he just, you know, nobody, nobody in that team was performing. And, and you know, he probably just got a, a bit of the malaise. But I, I, I think he, I, I echo everything that Alex has said. I think his attitude has been absolutely superb. And he's played well. He's more than eight. He's, he's played really well. I think he deserves to be in the team. And I think the way we should accommodate it is having praised Pedro, I think we might just possibly have to drop one of Pedro and William just so that we can get Fabregas and Hazard to, to be in the same team together. Because I, I just think he's earned it. I think he's just been terrific. And again, the corner on the, on the weekend, we set up the goal. Who was the taker? Fabregas. So, you know... Um, it's, it's, it's good to see. I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 agree, I agree with you all, actually. I think that, you know, this... The, the one thing that, that shines through from Fabregas for me is this professionalism. There have been no illicit little leaks, bits of disinformation coming from the club. Agent talk about moving on, being unhappy. And this either means that they are genuinely being fantastically managed by Conti or, you know, our Russian owner has got a fantastically Kremlin-like Kremlin -like grip over comms. And I suspect it's more to do with the fact that Conti is so damn good at managing people uh, and keeping uh, a lot of um you know no doubt fairly fragile egos uh, in in place or whatever um and, and i just think it's it's really good to see um there was a time last season when fabregas being on the pitch made me my my heart sink and now when i see him on the pitch either as a starter or coming on as a sub um it actually lifts me it lifts me because i think you know he's got something different matic is possibly the better in a defensive um uh, kind of kind of formation, if you like. I, you know, I don't do formations. I fucking detest them. But um, you know, I can see the value of Matic against a team, you know, that maybe could be more physical. Um, where Fabregas is is much more, you know, when you need a bit of subtlety, a bit of invention, and a, and a, a little bit of design about what you're doing and what you're going about. Um, we're 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 right on the edge of, of time, I think. People, we've been going for a little bit um, longer than I expected, but then has been a, a a very lively session, and we've had some fantastic input. Um, I'm just going to move us slowly on. Uh, just one part. I was going to talk about which dodgy games we got left, and you know, would a top four still be enough? Um, there's the Tony pessimism. Would a top four still be enough? <laughs> Don't be a dick, Tony. <laughs> There you go. Thank you very much, Alex. Of course, I'm not really. <laughs> one way, of, one way um, of looking at it, but... Tony, is is um, you're familiar with the phrase "to be on the cusp," are you not? Yes. Yes. And I, I think am, we could all agree yes. that we are possibly on the cusp of a title-winning season. I think my scariest one left is Everton away, but I think potentially it it could be irrelevant by the time we get there if we do well enough in the run-up to that game, couldn't it? Because where, where in English, where in English do you have a phrase that you hear about people, things, beings, all sorts of stuff being on the cusp? Have you ever heard of anyone getting off cusp? I or think being uh, off the cusp, or I think, I, I think leaving Alex, the cusp. I think you know? Alex has got <laughs> off the cusp of our relationship with Joey Barton. Um, <laughs> no, no, no longer meaningful anymore. Um, I don't, I don't no. think there was ever a cusp within 100 just, miles of that relationship, uh, if you ask me. Uh, Alex, I've got to say... You Considering I just threatened to bayonet him in the foot with a Lee Enfield rifle, I don't think that one's like gone now. So, so, so the jealous love speaks. For, uh, 
for, for your man Kante. He's been quoted as saying he's the best player in the Premier League. So yeah. there you go. Well, um, I mean, he's, I, he's, he's he's the Velociraptor looking like, isn't he, Alex? He's, yeah, he looks like half man, half Velociraptor. So I wouldn't argue with him. Hmm. But no, in fairness, I see as much as I mug Arsenal off. If they had several other players with his mindset, they might not be so hilarious. <laughs> um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go in. Uh, uh, the dodgy games left. Listen, um, I'd hoped that by the time we met City, it would be irrelevant. Um, the fact is, um, you know, there's a, a ten point lead. Um, ten games left. We've lost three this season, and we can still afford to lose three in seven. And I think we've got five home games left because um, Watford has been uh, is yet to be rescheduled. Um, Southampton game's been rescheduled to the 25th, I think, which is a Tuesday. Um, unfortunately, a couple of days before I go out to France. Um, I am likely, sadly, um, not likely, almost what, 99% certainly going to miss the Manchester City game because uh, I have to go and see a consultant that evening about my shoulder um, and it's my only chance, otherwise it's a month and I can't afford to be hanging around for a month for what, as they described it, um, the, the muscles are hanging on by a thread. I can't really afford to allow that thread uh, to be at risk for any longer than it needs to be. So, um, but I, I, that, that one game uh, that kind of would worry me, I think, is is the, the Everton away one. And it wouldn't have done earlier in the season. It's just that they seem to have hit a pretty rich um, um, vein of, of form. Um, I'm not worried about United. I don't think United... United are all concentrated now on um, the Europa League. I don't think they'll put out their strongest team. And I don't think even their strongest team is anywhere near ours. Um, City... Have they got a sting in the tail left? Uh, we, you know, you saw the, the the kind of game they had against uh, Monaco last week, where their sort of fragile defence was opened up. You get um, an early goal against them, and you screw them because they just can't defend. Yeah, yeah, and then they they sort of came back against Liverpool, and they took a lot of plaudits in a game that I think Liverpool should have been four up. Mm. to be quite honest but they're taking their chances and certainly Lalana, who um you know and we'll, like Torres will live with that moment for the rest of his life where yeah. uh, I mean you know he, he he could have he could have bent over and smacked him with his arse and it would have been a better shot than what he actually managed to pull out with his foot um so I you know I, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I'm, I'm just going to go into the, the kind of last point I suppose which is um uh uh, is the double important or will the Premier League suffice considering last season? And I'm going to start with you, Alex. I don't give a shit about the double. When I sat there at the beginning of the season and I said, I just want top four. I just want us to get in the Champions League so that we can buy the players we want because we didn't get to last season because everybody was looking at us and going, well, let's make sure that Conte even lasts past November 1st and let's make sure that they're not like a done deal and that they actually do come back and remake the Champions League that's all I wanted is to get back on that footing so we can once again sign the kind of players that we would want to sign um and if we won the league from that I'd be immensely happy that said the fuck do I want to get beaten by Spurs at Wembley that's not happening (laughs) so now in the same way yes the double would be great but if we don't do the double I don't care nice to have then yeah It'd be it'd be amazing to have, and obviously another like absolute tanking of Spurs at Wembley would be great, and then maybe 
Arsene Wenger's last ever game as Arsenal manager, beating them 12-0 at Wembley would be awesome. But, you know, if we won the league after last season and after wanting top four and after that week where we lost to Liverpool and Arsenal and looked absolutely pathetic at the beginning of this season, I'd say we'd done well. Donal, and I agree with you, Alex, to be honest, yeah. Um, um, But, uh, Donal, your view? My view is that... um... If we don't win the double, it will mean that we've either lost to Tottenham or one of Arsenal City in a cup final, which is a bit hard to take. Um, yeah, there, there are two schools of thought here, aren't there? There's the, after last season, we should be grateful for anything. And obviously winning the league is is all it's ever really about. But I have a sneaking feeling that if we can win the league this year, that's great. If we can win the double, that's even better because... Man United are going to keep spending money. City are going to keep spending money. Liverpool will probably start spending money. Tottenham are building a, a very decent side. It, it, you know, Wenger will have to go soon and Arsenal will turn it around. The next five or six years could be a very hard time to win either the league, the cup or indeed the double. So this is possibly a year where we need to, to, to seize the reins. My only... My only unease about this, whenever we think about the double, we have uh, a very likeable Italian manager, is my mind slips away to a rather dark and grimy stairwell in Goodison Park. And, you know, we know what happened. <laughs> you know, Did you meet this... Tony down that stairwell? I don't know what you're trying to I don't know what you're trying to Were there special fingers involved? I don't know what you're trying to say. Was it you said about your shoulder tone? Uh, I think yeah. <laughs> proper proper Chelsea Sorry, fans, Chelsea. proper Chelsea fans amongst us will know immediately what I'm alluding to. The combination Indeed. of the double Indeed. and the demise of the last lovely he Italian just, who our, our, our friend, yes, indeed. A quick appraisal of your view on the double, please. Uh, I don't want to lose to, to Tottenham. I quite like a double. I'm not fussy. I'd like I'd take a double. Uh, and, yeah, losing, losing to Tottenham or is not the way to go. Uh, I've been to, a, been to a final where we lost to them and I, I don't like it. So, uh, so nope. Um, let's beat them, go to the final and get the double and, uh, and, and see off the season. But if we don't get it, um, we'll still have the party anyway if we win the league. So um, let's just see what happens. Um, I think, I think we're, we're the best side in the country. So I think if we, don't, if we don't do it, then there'll be an element of it being uh, slightly our own fault. But as I said, um, nobody's going to be complaining if we have a trophy at the end of it. So, um, yeah. Let's just crack on, see what happens. And, and if we don't win Indeed. either of them, we've had a great season anyway, haven't we? Oh, well, if, we do, exactly. if we don't win the league from here... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, yeah. I, imagine what I, Joey Bart will say. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually um, considering spending some money on going to a hypnotherapist who, um, with any luck, will remove two words from my entire memory, um, Devon Locke. <laughs> Um, and uh, Donal will know that one instantly for quicker and for the youngsters, for the youth and the diversity. The Grand National. 
indeed. It is a, a moment as a child growing up that you were always rammed home to you, which was um, never ever do that kind of premature. You know, the um, what was it? Uh, the, who was the guy on Saturday? Who, uh, was it Firmino? I think he went off to celebrate the goal, yeah, convinced right. that Lallana was going to push it in the net and slid to the ground. <laughs> Turn around and to his utter horror, and to the, it must have been a terrible. So, um, and easy. It goes back to this whole Danny Baker thing, where Danny Baker had this. Uh, still does it from time to time on his show, which is, um, you know, if you want to make enemies at football, then when your team are two nil up, and it's thirty-five minutes to go, just stand up when the when the crowd's gone a bit quiet, and at the top of your voice, just yell out the words. Nothing can go wrong now, and you will find, <laughs> will find people like Alex, Alexander Churchill and me sticking bayonets in your <laughs> knees. Okay. Well, there's, there's, uh, there's lady back, I know. Yeah, never argue I... with never with logic. <laughs> there's, there's a lady I know who's um, uh, she's quite rotund, uh, and I'm uh, uh, she, she she likes to sing from time to time, um, so I'm waiting for her to uh, clear a vocal cords. Yes, and, indeed. Uh, yeah. And then uh, give us a blast. Uh, and when I said never argue with logic, what, what I actually meant to say, and I was having a bit of a Bobby Robson moment there, was never argue, never, ever argue, never, ever stand and try and front up fate. Because yeah. the best... I, I felt, distinctly, I felt um, distinctly uncomfortable watching PSG. Uh, not just because of a, maybe an antipathy towards the media's love for Barcelona rather than Barcelona themselves, but I felt this terrible, terrible sort of weight in my heart watching it because, you know, you don't <laughs> lose from four nil up, do you? And you know, it's you just it just made me uneasy. That's all I'm saying at this point. We may have to come back to this yeah. at a future date. That's we do, and, and um, we'll skirt around it. I'm going to finish off now with the. A few parish notices. Um, uh, so for our dear listener, um, uh, you want to hear more of this. There's 83, potentially 84 episodes because we, we, we still like to, you know, with we've, we've fondness in our hearts, try and remember our ghost episode. Um, you can find us on iTunes um, as soon as it goes up on Twitter um, and and across Facebook, etc. It's available on iTunes. Um, you'll probably find it's got a not safe for work warning or something along explicit lyrics or explicit language and, and that sort of thing, as it should be. Um, if you're five years old and you're listening to this, your parents are letting you down. Yeah, if you're five <laughs> years old and you're listening to this, fuck off. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you can also go to, um, I believe it's um, poddingshed.com, Google it, um, and you'll find a whole host of stuff there, um, including, I, I think, some probably out-of-date potted histories of, of some of um, some guests and, and people like me. Uh, I just want to give a quick plug to, um, as I always do now, for the Chelsea Supporters Trust, um, because I've become very good friends with um, uh, Stanford Chidge, David Chidgey, who's the, uh, the chair of that through the Chelsea Fancast, um, which is not, as people think, a rival podcast. We are just different. Um, and we celebrate each other's differences, usually over a beer. Um, join the trust. Get your voice heard by the club. Um, it's £5 to become a voting member. Um, it's free if you want to be a non-voting member. You can sign up at ChelseaSupportsTrust.com uh, and you can attend the meetings, go to the event, vote on issues that directly affect you. And, and, and like I said, it's a way of getting your voice heard. I think you can still actually sign up at um, the lovely Mark Worrell's um, 
uh, CFC stand opposite Fulham Broadway Station. Um, you can also follow them on Twitter. Um, uh, their handle is at Chelsea S Trust. Um, I've got plans for future guests. Um, we've, we've, we've slacked off in the last few weeks because, as we all know, we pod when we want. Um, but um, and I've got one of the future guests down here is Alexandra Churchill. Alex, you've been an absolute delight tonight. And um, I'm afraid all that means is it's just given me a hunger for more. Um, and you can take that how you like, smart buddy. Um, oh, but cheers. Might go promise. away and get a little bit excited with that. <laughs> Dan Silver, uh, Martin Wickham, uh, uh, we're going to get a few people on, um, uh, hopefully before the end of the season, um, uh, and also going into next season. Um, the next shed, um, I've, I usually write the next shed will be in two weeks. I've actually written the words, the next shed is in fuck knows how many weeks. Um, but um, I'm hoping that we'll be able to get something in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm away for a week in April, um, but... We were hoping with five games left and, and ten games over the season, um, if we can get three or four more in and an end-of-season special, that would be great. Um, has anybody got anything they want to add before I do the good nights? Uh, I'm good. Quick, uh, quick up, uh, shout-out for the youth uh, under-18s. They've got the Youth Cup final, haven't they? They beat Spurs 7-1 there on Saturday night. Um, Is that sixth year in a row in the final? Yes, indeed. Um, So, yeah, congratulations and well done to the young chaps. Indeed. Anything, Alex, Kweku? That's just how we do it now. Um, No no mess-ups. No mess-ups. Yep. As I used to say on a, a very famous cop show that um, was much adored in this country, and again, way before Kweku and uh, Alex's time, I would imagine, um, but it was a show called Hill Street Blues, and they just used to sign off with the words, let's do it to them before they do it to us. Um, I would like to say thank you very much to Donal, um, and I'll speak to you soon, Donal. Thank you yes. for your contribution. It's been a joy and a pleasure, as ever. Uh, and we can perhaps... Um, uh, and you managed to get a musical um, interlude in there as well. Um, very apt, Alex, I think. That's very good. Uh, Quickly, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, and finally, Alex, I have to say, I'm going to send you a message after this, but you've been an absolute joy. Um, and I know it probably hasn't been the easiest of uh, evenings for you to, to come well, along. I'm probably and, just going to uh, go somewhere and pull my eyes out now, but yeah. And feel free to do so because you've been an absolute joy. You've lit this podcast up. Um, there, there is, you know, our our our. our, our barriers are down our diversity is fully fledged now we've got everybody on the on the on the podcast um but um seriously um you've been an absolute joy um and you will be called upon again obviously you know i'll make sure you get plenty of notice and uh, try to give you a heads up about what we're going to do um so awesome. without any oh <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Enough of that nonsense. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, and um, uh, all the best, and I'll speak to you all soon. Yeah. Cheers, everybody. Take care. Good night. Good night.